Welcome to the Hokie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg. I am joined today by the usual suspects. First in the 757, we got regular blue. What's going on, dude? Dude, today is a perfect day for golf. It's like 65 outside and sunny and slightly breezy, but there are more important things to attend to. So here we are. I don't think there's a more important thing in the world than golf. Do you agree, Mike McDaniel? <laughs> I agree. There's nothing more perfect than golf, period. Or more Well, then important. if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to go ahead and leave. <laughs> just tip right now. <laughs> and I'm just going to go play around. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, we got a lot to talk about, though. The NFL draft coming this week. And, of course, Virginia Tech with multiple players on the board. A couple first-round guys, a couple later-round guys, and we will talk about them all. But first... Here to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the pharmacy that what you want to go to. If you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you, be a neighbor, my friends, not a number. Look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. All right, gentlemen, I want to start at the top of the board. Caleb Farley. Of course, we know that Caleb Farley did not play in 2020. He opted out due to COVID. There seems to be a little more to the story, though, as it seems the, the back injury that caused him to be out of the 2019 UVA game and the bowl game as well. It's still a little bit of a problem there. Doctors say he's all right. Combine numbers look good. If you're an NFL team picking, let's just say, We'll use Mike as an example. I, I don't know if the Patriots are looking for a corner, but in that range of where New England's picking, are, are you looking at Caleb Farley? Because I remember, you know, months ago in the pre-draft stuff, he was looking more like, you know, the fifth or sixth overall pick. Now we're talking somewhere between 12 and 20. What's the deal here? Well, the uh, micro dissectomy is a big deal. I mean, he was supposed to participate in Virginia Tech's pro day. And then about a week before the pro day, he says, oh, I had back surgery, so I won't be participating. Um, that's a concern. I mean, that's, I think, what is scaring teams off of him a little bit. I think that and the fact that he didn't play this past year. Now, he was really, really good in 2019 for Tech, right? I mean, he broke out. 2018 had a really good start to the year. You guys will remember against Florida state in the opener. We're like, all right, where was this Caleb Farley? Like, this is great. And then he just kind of like faded away after that. Um, there were high expectations for him going into his freshman year at Virginia tech. Oh geez. Back about four or five years ago. Now um, he had a really good spring practice when he enrolled early and then he tore his ACL. So he needed reconstructive knee surgery. Um, and then he proved that he was healthy coming off of that. And then he had kind of that up and down freshman season with the Hokies and then broke out as a sophomore and was, you know, obviously one of the best defensive backs in the ACC and um, quickly moved up on draft boards because of how he played um, and his speed and his ability and the abilities there. That's not the question with Farley. I, I worry a bit about, you know, whether or not these injuries will catch up with him. And I think that's why NFL teams are, saying now all of a sudden, okay, well, maybe some of these other defensive backs like J.C. Horn, like Patrick Sertan, like maybe these guys are worth a pick because of their health versus Caleb Farley, who has gone through a knee surgery and now a pretty significant back surgery, um, you know, within the, you know, first few years of his college career um, and now going into the NFL draft. So I think that's the question. I mean, when he's out there playing on the field, it's, it's clear that he has the ability. He's always been really athletic. I mean, Virginia Tech, would, you know, they were trying him out at wide receiver and defensive back because they weren't exactly sure where he fit right off the bat, found a home at DB and was really good. 
Um, and it was kind of a new position for him too. Um, so I, you know, I would take a chance on him. I mean, I, I think he's a really good player, uh, but I think the question, you know, the questions that do surround him, I, I think it's both around the injuries, number one, but I think number two, just the fact that he had basically a year and a half of defensive back experience at the college level. And is that enough to really get a true gauge of how good you're going to be as a pro? I think those are two big open items around Caleb Farley. Ricky, what are your thoughts? Well, Caleb's kind of lack of experience can also be used kind of as a plus, right? And the fact that he has a lot more coaching to be done. Um, and he, once he gets more experience on the field, theoretically, he's, he's going to get better at these skills. And I think that's kind of the flip side of that. There is no flip side of the injuries, of course. Um, the knee injury, the back injury, um, those two are, I think, really the only things that are holding Caleb Farley out of the top 10, to be quite honest. Yep. Um, he's, I, I, I think there is like a 1% chance that he falls out of the first round. I think it would be astronomically dumb for NFL teams to not pick him in the first round. If you're sitting there in the back end of the first round, like um, the Ravens at 27, definitely the Saints at 28. Um, all these teams, e even the Bucks at 32, they could all use a corner with a ceiling that high. Uh, and really the whole league could, to be quite honest. So Farley has basically a 0% a chance of falling out of the first round. And I think that that's, that, that's fair. And it's a shame that he, he's having this back issue because I do think he would be at least a top 15 pick. I mean, like Andrew said, we were seeing projections for him inside like the top seven and that would have been one of the the highest draft selections for a tech player in in a long time so i definitely think he's going to go in the first round but i do not think he's going to go higher than christian derisaw yeah and, and let's move on to christian derisaw here because this is one of the great success stories in really modern virginia tech history probably the mo most in the justin fuente era derisaw was ranked the number 171st offensive tackle out of high school. Here he is going to the draft, and you got him anywhere between second and fourth in the class. Derisaw stepped in and made an impact immediately. First team All-America, or first team freshman All-American, I should say, and, and ultimately developed into one of the best tackles in the conference, one of the best tackles in the country. Now, Derisaw's stock, from what I've heard, is dropping a little bit, but when I look at this kid and I see the leaps and bounds he was able to grow in his three years at Virginia Tech, I think that translates to the NFL level. What say you guys? I agree. I mean, I think the one thing about this draft is that it seems like the draft experts think that the offensive tackle position as a whole is weaker in this draft than it has been in most other drafts, which, you know, there could be just other teams looking for better value with some of their other selections than picking an offensive tackle. And that could be a reason why Derisaw is slipping a bit, but you're right, Andrew, about the fact that he was just, he's a ridiculous success story. I mean, you think about the caliber of recruit that he was, I remember when he committed, um, he was a three-star tackle. 
I was thinking he was okay, a two like star tackle. I think it was by rivals. By rivals, yeah. So and it was a low three by two four seven. So like that gives you an idea of kind of how he's escalated his game um, at the collegiate level, and it was pretty instantaneous. Like he's been a really good lineman now for a while at Virginia Tech, and has been solid and reliable and it's funny about Darisaw. You don't hear a lot about him from a, a negative standpoint. Um, and you don't really hear, I mean, you know, he's a good offensive lineman, but it's funny. Like when he's on the field, you don't hear much about him one way or another, which is a testament to the fact that he's just doing his job consistently doing it well. And he's going to be a, a guy that regardless of where he goes in the draft, I, I think he's going to have a great chance of success because of his size and his ability and, you know, how he's elevated his game and he's improved every year. Like that's the biggest thing for me. It's like, he continues to improve. So why wouldn't he continue to improve at the next level? Um, he's, you know, Virginia tech, it's pretty funny. Cause like a lot of, a lot of fans will look at a lot of Virginia tech players as like, all right, let's look at how they were as prospects. Okay. Like, Oh, they were three star guys. They were two star guys. Like, this is one of the guys you can actually point to as one of those success stories. He was like an undervalued recruit that Virginia Tech picked, and he really just marched forward and succeeded and got himself picked in the top two rounds of the NFL draft at worst, you know, if he doesn't go in the first round on Thursday night. Um, It's not always the case that Virginia Tech just makes these three stars in the first or second round picks. In fact, it really doesn't happen all too often. You got five-star value out of him in the end, right? Right, exactly, right. Yeah, you got five-star value out of him at the end, and he was an all-ACC offensive lineman, and I I think whatever team picks him is going to be very happy. I mean, he's just – he's improved every year. That's the biggest thing for me. I think think Christian Derrissaw is being undervalued, and I think that that's kind of hard to to say – um, given that he's basically a top 15 pick, depending on where you look. But I think he's right behind Panay Sewell in terms of offensive tackles. Um, I know Rashawn Slater from Northwestern is getting a bit more traction than Darisaw. I think that's a mistake, quite honestly. The The thing about Darisaw that really stands out to me, and it's something that um, it, it, it's kind of a shame that more players don't take this route, but when Darisaw originally committed to Virginia Tech, he did not enroll, right? He went to Fork Union. And that year of prep school, I think, changed everything for Christian Darisaw. And it makes me wonder how many more prospects who are incredibly raw or incredibly inexperienced but have some of the legitimate tools that are necessary to play football at the college football level how many of them would benefit by doing something similar to what Darisaw did? I mean, I don't think Darisaw is ready to play as a true freshman if he doesn't prep at at, at FUMA the year before. And I don't think Darisaw has the career that he, that he has at Virginia tech if he doesn't prep at Fork union. And it's kind of a shame that we don't see that more often because I really do think that it's, it's an incredibly beneficial experience and not only does it kind of teach you, it, it kind of matures you a little bit because you're a bit on your own. It's a, a highly controlled environment and it exposes you to, to college athletics kind of at a, a low level before you get thrown right in against juniors and seniors that are 21 and 22 years old and have two years in the weight room ahead of you. So for me, I, I, I'm most proud of Darisaw and the fact that he he was humble enough to take that route because that's not a route that many guys go. 
and he made the best of it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, as a fan of the Washington football team, I, I would be over over the hill if they end up picking Christian Darrisaw. But Mike, here, here's one for you as we move through these prospects. You mentioned in our last podcast that you think the best NFL career of all the tech guys in this draft isn't going to go to either of the guys slated to be picked in the first round. You said Divine Diablo will be the best. And why is that? I, I got to know. Well, what's your thought process there? Yeah, I think Diablo has a pretty high ceiling. Um, so here's here's where I'm at with this. He was battling injury issues his first few years at Tech, to put it lightly. Um, could never really get healthy. And the coaching staff was high on Diablo early in his career. They were trying to find ways to get him on the field. Um, he just kept getting injured. He was battling that foot injury for a while. That was a big one for him. And then he finally got past that. And it seemed like once he turned the corner there and we got to see him on the field a bit more consistently, it was clear why the coaching staff was so high on him. The reason why I like, uh, I like Diablo and the opportunity that he has in front of him is because I believe that he has positional versatility. Um, we saw this a bit with Chuck Clark a few years ago, and a lot of people weren't quite sure how to judge Chuck Clark coming out of Virginia tech because much like Diablo, he struggled against the pass at times, but was very good against the run. And that's something that uh, Diablo has struggled with. You know, he's struggled against the pass, but he has gotten better in that category. And he's always been really reliable against the run. Um, he took on a leadership role on that side of the football as well, which I don't personally care about that. But, the, you know, the scouts do, right? They, they like to point to a guy who really commands the defense. That's something that Diablo did his last couple of years at Tech. Um, but really, it's the positional versatility, the fact that he could play a traditional safety position if you were patient with him and gave him an opportunity to continue to work on his pass coverage ability, which has improved over the last couple seasons. But the fact that you can put him in as a linebacker as well, right? You can bring him up a, up a little bit closer to the box, and um, he would have the athleticism to uh, not only cover guys out of the backfield, but give you added run support. I think that makes him an intriguing option. And then his size and his speed and how he tested at Virginia Tech's pro day was really impressive as well. I know scouts, it seemed like scouts were impressive with that um, coming out of there based on tweets and, and, you know, things that we saw of that nature from reporters who were at Virginia Tech's pro day. So I think, yeah, so I think Diablo has a, a higher ceiling. Um, I think he has an opportunity in, in front of him, a better opportunity than I think a lot of people probably uh, thought that he would a few years ago. But I think the fact that, he has been healthy now um, over the last couple of seasons, and he's been able to, to stay on the field quells some of those concerns about injuries. But I think the fact, too, that he's continued to improve as well, I think gives him an opportunity. Um, but it's all going to be about fit and, and where he's picked, because um, regardless of, of where he's picked, he's going to be a potential project in pass coverage. Um, but I think he's NFL ready against the run. So if you want to play him in more of a linebacker position in whatever defensive scheme you run, I think he has a better opportunity to succeed there right away. Um, but if you have a little bit more time to work with him in pass coverage, I think he could be a pretty good traditional safety as well if you give him some time. Yeah, no, I, I certainly like Diablo, as you mentioned, as kind of like a, a guy who can play in that in-between role at the linebacker position, but also at his more natural safety position. I, I just don't know if that's going to fit into every team's defensive scheme, right? I, I think it's going to be more specific, but he can be used. Ultimately, 
you know, kind of the box safety in that robber scheme is what I've been hearing is his best fit. Where do you think he'll ultimately get drafted? Both of you. Um, as far as particular team, I'm not totally sure. I mean, I think he'll probably be mid to late second, maybe early third round is where I think he could potentially go. Um, I think anything above that would be, would be taking him high, but Hey, look, like we saw Terrell Edmonds get drafted earlier than expected from the Steelers a few years ago. And um, that was a surprise to see him go at the end of the first round, but uh, he was getting a bit more buzz uh, heading into the draft than Diablo is going into this one. So I, I'd be surprised to see him go any higher than like middle of the second round. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not as high on Diablo as some people. I think people are always trying to find the next hybrid box safety now. And um, a lot of guys theoretically fit that role, but they, they don't in practice. Um Diablo definitely looked better in coverage this year than, 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 than the year before against the run. He's pretty good. I think he's more intelligent than anything. I think he puts himself in the right spot. I think he fills gaps. He doesn't miss assignments. And to me, that's one of the most important thing, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Jim Nagy, who is uh, with the senior bowl. And I referenced this on the last podcast. He doesn't think that, Divine Diablo is going to fall outside the top 50, which would mean he's a guaranteed second round pick. Yeah. Um, that's quite a, quite a statement. I think he's probably, and again, I'm not by no means an NFL talent evaluator, but just from my knowledge and in my opinion, I would probably put him in the second to third round, maybe a fourth round pick. Um, but like Mike said, we've seen guys reach for, a tech safety before that is in a bit similar mold. I mean, Terrell Edmonds was a really rangy guy and younger or when he was younger in his career. And then as Terrell approached his senior season, Terrell really bulked up and you could see kind of the uh, lack of explosiveness relative to what he was in his sophomore and junior seasons. Um, and he still found a way in the first round and is, and is now a safety with the Steelers. Diablo didn't really necessarily bulk up a ton. He was already kind of 210, even when he was a wide receiver uh, as, as a freshman at Tech. Um, so it, it's not like he's all of a sudden bulked up and is slow now, but he, he doesn't have the, the kind of athleticism that I think you need to have on the back end of a defense now in the NFL, given how spread concepts have com completely taken over the league, just like they took over college football. Um, but he, I think he can be benefit or I think he can be pretty decent if used properly. And also I think he's going to be a really good special teams guy. I would be shocked if Diablo does not provide exceptional value on that uh, in, in those units. I agree, gentlemen. And one more guy I want to get to, I only have a couple more minutes here because I got to do live radio in about 10 minutes, but we got to talk about Khalil Herbert before I get out of here. Now, Khalil Herbert, Obviously, all the accolades, especially early in the season, just smashing Virginia Tech rushing records early on. I, I don't know how his game translates to the NFL, though, right? Because obviously he succeeded wildly in Virginia Tech's zone, you know, zone run scheme. But 
not much of a catch passer out of the backfield, not much of a blocker, isn't really in consideration as one of those two, three best running backs in the class right now. Where do you envision him getting drafted? And to what degree can he make an impact at the NFL level? He would be perfect for, and this is going to be the problem for Khalil Herbert potentially, he would be perfect for one of those spread running schemes. Um, I don't want to call Kansas city a spread run scheme, but they operate out of shotgun a lot. And Clyde Edwards, Alaire kind of filled that mold pretty quickly um, for Kansas city last year as a rookie. Um, and then another spot that I could have seen him landing was Baltimore, but they have JK Dobbins. Like I think Khalil Herbert pairing him alongside Lamar Jackson would be great. That doesn't mean they won't, end up selecting a running back or Kansas city won't end up selecting a running back. But I think it would take Khalil Herbert to be in a certain type of offensive scheme for that to work out. You know, maybe, maybe you put him alongside Jalen hurts in Philadelphia and that would be an opportunity for him, but you know, they have a young running back in miles Sanders as well. So, you know, it, it takes a certain type of running back, you know, we're seeing the guys who are going to, these schemes are guys who kind of fit the mold that Khalil Herbert fills um, and, and, you know, fills his strengths at the next level. So it's going to take a particular type of team, I think, to pick Herbert for him to be successful at the NFL. Cause I, I think that he fits in that certain type of like shotgun running scheme, like that zone read type scheme. I think that's perfect for him. It's what he succeeded at at, at tech and then to a degree at Kansas. Um, but I don't think he's a guy where you're just going to hand it to him like 30 times a game, obviously either. Yeah. There are fewer and fewer guys who are getting the ball 30 times a game. I mean, you can basically count those guys on one hand at this point. I am a big fan of Khalil Herbert personally. I, I think he's been one of the most talented players to walk into lane stadium on wearing maroon and, and orange in quite a while, actually. Um, Anytime a running back averages 7.6 yards a carry, you have to pay attention. And he probably would have ran for 1,500 yards if he didn't have all the injury issues that he had in the second half of the season. I also think he's a better pass catcher than people give him credit for. He did have 10 receptions last year for 179 yards. So it's not like he's totally useless in that regard. Um, I do have, I have read about the concerns in pass protection, and that's probably fair, but I certainly think Khalil Herbert's going to carve out a role for himself, at least for a couple of seasons on an NFL roster. I personally am a fan of Herbert and you, you never know with some of these running backs. I mean, you look at James Robinson, a guy who wasn't even drafted last year at a thousand yard rusher for Jacksonville. And for a period of time, I, I do think Khalil Herbert, if put in the right system behind the right offensive line can certainly succeed at the NFL level, but Gentlemen, unfortunately, I got to step out now. Got some radio to do in about 10 minutes, but uh, I'm excited to listen to the rest of this and hear what you guys have to say about guys like Gerard Hewitt, guys like Rayshard Aspie, guys like Justice Reed, who might be on the back end of consideration, but not exactly getting as much buzz. Enjoy, my friends. Later, buddy. Enjoy the radio. Mike, I don't know what you're thinking about Tech's back-end prospects, but for me, I think Ashby is, is my favorite of the group. Um I think I, I think last year was was weird for him. He showed up to summer camp overweight, clearly. Right. And he never got weight last year. 
Um, we've we've seen what he can do when he's not 250, 260 pounds. He can he can I think he moves a bit better than people give him credit for. I think he's definitely instinctive. I think he's intelligent. Um, he did not play behind a very good defensive line at Virginia Tech for most of his career. Um, he's definitely one-dimensional in terms that you don't want to expose him too much against the pass, but quite honestly, I'm, I'm actually kind of a fan of Ashby. And again, I think this is another guy that can probably be <clears throat> like a backup linebacker and a special teamer in the future. Yeah, I think so too. Like middle linebacker is pretty clear. That's where he would have to play because of his inability in coverage, like you mentioned, um, or lack of ability, I guess, against faster guys would be the more fair statement. Uh, but he's a sure tackler. Um, he fills gaps well. He didn't do it as well this past year. Like you mentioned, you know, being overweight, I'm sure didn't help. Uh, but he, he became a very reliable tackler for Virginia Tech. I mean, he received all ACC accolades because of how good of a linebacker he was going into last year. He's a very good player. He's a solid football player. And those guys tend to find roles on NFL rosters. Um, now, I will say his size is a little bit of an issue. You know, you traditionally see bigger middle linebackers, you know, six foot one, six two, six three. He's not that big, right? He's sitting at 5'10 generously. So that could play a little bit of a factor, but he's a really solid football player. And usually those guys find their way on NFL rosters, Rick. Yeah. And I, he'll get at least a look in, in preseason camp. Um, not sure if he'll make a roster, but uh, I, I do want to read a, a text that Andrew just sent us, even though he just left. Uh, apparently Andrew just learned that Kyle Pitts at one point was seriously considering Virginia tech. I didn't know that was news. I, I was totally aware of this. Me too. <laughs> um, I, I remember covering his recruitment. Um, for those who, who may remember that class, uh, Kyle Pitts was from the same area as Nasir Peoples and Daryl Simmons. And um, when both of them committed to Tech, a lot of people thought that Tech had a was actually the favorite to, to sign Kyle Pitts. And then he visited Florida, and that was all she wrote. And um, it later came out that Kyle was pretty set on going to an SEC school. He was just waiting to find one that he really liked. Um, and sure as hell, Florida ended up being a good place for him to go. Yeah, worked out. He's going to be a first-round pick now. Um, top I, end of the first I, I'm, round. I don't know. Real quick, I don't know if I'm as like high on him as some people who are saying he's going to be like this transcendent tight end. I mean, I, I think he's going to be quite good, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be like one of the best tight ends of all time. Right. I I think it's hard to predict that no matter how good you were in college. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of hard to predict he, he that. He definitely has a chance to be good. Um, right. Uh, are there but, any other are there any other back end guys for tech that you're that you're you know trying to keep an eye on? Yeah, the the other one for me is Justice Reed. Now, um he's had in plenty of injuries, right? And and he's um, uh, he's older than just about every prospect in the draft. Right, and he, and he's older. Um but really good size as a defensive end, obviously a good football player. Um you know, was at Florida, speaking of guys who were at Florida, it was at Florida, then Youngstown State and then ended up in Blacksburg. Um, for this, you know, graduate year and was solid, was good enough. Um, I think he's a late round guy that teams could potentially take a gamble on because of his size and his ability, even though he's a little bit older and he has had injury issues. 
um, he was healthy for a good bit of this year for Virginia Tech. So that's he's going to be twenty. <clears throat> excuse me, he's going to be twenty five. Yeah, this year, which is quite. I mean, he's not old; like he's younger than I am. Right, but he's <laughs> like he's clearly like younger than, or excuse me, older than just about every other prospect. Right. No. Right. I. That's going to be the knock. Like that plus the injuries, probably not going to get him drafted any earlier than like round six. I would say. Um, yeah. Probably a decent chance he goes in the late rounds or undrafted. I was going to say, I think it's probable that he's going to go undrafted and he'll be yep. someone that gets a look as a, as an undrafted free agent or at yep. least gets an invite to camp. I, I'd, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get an invite. Me too. Yeah. Um, me too. Just because he, he did show that he can rush the passer. Um, I, I don't know if he's as athletic off the edge as he needs to be in order to draw a lot of attention. Um, and at 255, he doesn't have, elite size at, at end i think we're seeing more like 260 265 some 270 ends even in four three schemes right not 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 like a three four scheme where they're they're running 300 pound defensive ends at right you. um so he i think he's a bit smaller only at six three but he just because of his experience and his ma- physical maturity mental maturity and what he did at Tech this year, he'll at least have a chance. Yeah, the problem that he's going to run into is that if NFL teams have him graded similarly to a kid who's like 20 or 21, they're going to yeah. take the kid who's 20 or 21, and that's really what's yeah. going to work against him, that plus the injury issues. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he's at this point, he is already theoretically in his physical prime. Right. Whereas someone could be two years away from their physical prime. Right. And you have a lot more molding to do there. Right. So he's going to have an opportunity. I think in some way, shape or form, I would honestly be a little bit surprised if he was, I was kind of thinking through it in my head. I was like, I'd be a little bit surprised if he was drafted. And yeah, I mean, you hate to see these guys go undrafted because they spend so much time like fighting to get there. But yeah, everyone has to realize that there are well over a hundred college football teams. Yeah. And that's just division one. Like yeah. that's not even division two or division three, which like once or twice a year, sends somebody to the pros. Yep. So I, he's got, he's got ability. That's for sure. I just think the, the injuries and the age factor, they're both going to scare some teams off of using a relatively high draft pick on him. But if you have a couple late round selections, I, I think it's worth taking a shot on him or, at least giving him a chance in camp, um, which I think he'll absolutely get. I would be very, very surprised if he didn't get at least an opportunity as an undrafted free agent. And look, I mean, I think a lot of teams towards the later end of the draft, they might be starting to call his agent and say, Hey, look, like we're not selecting you here. We would love for you to be in camp. Um, And he's going to have, I think a lot of those types of opportunities. You want to talk about Hewitt? What do you think of Hewitt? (laughs) Um, those who have been following me for quite a while know that I'm not a Jared Hewitt fan. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that personally, I have no doubt that Hewitt is a good guy off the field. Um, but judging from his lack of production, um, to me, what looked like a bit of mental immaturity on the football field last year. I am not a, a fan of Jared Hewitt. I don't think that he has a future in the NFL. 
I think he maybe gets a look as an undrafted free agent. Um, the fact that he's undersized and basically just plays defensive tackle is going to be an issue for him. I mean, if he were to succeed at the NFL level, he'd have to move to end on a full-time basis. And he, I'm not sure he's he athletic enough it. for end. He, he just doesn't have the athleticism. And yeah, it, it's not for lack of trying. I mean, he, he was a, a power lifter before he enrolled at tech he was a power lifter in high school the guy the guy's a weight room just absolute machine yep um and by all intents and purposes the virginia tech coaches absolutely loved having him around so it's not like he's a a, an issue in the locker room or anything or or it's a, a lack of effort but i just think jared maxed out his physical abilities at at tech which is not a, a not a knock. I mean, it's like you know, good good for him for doing that. I just don't know where his fit is at the pro level. I don't know where it is. Like he's he's one of those guys that w- we saw come out of tech for probably like an eight year period where they could be anywhere from really good to reliable to serviceable defensive tackles at the college level and in Bud Foster's scheme that and that the kind of relied on having twitchy defensive tackles and, and speedy ends, but that just doesn't work in the NFL when every guard and every center you're going up against is 300 plus pounds and they all have excellent technique and um, every tight end that, that you might face in a, in a pole or whatever is 265 pounds. Um, those, those smaller tackles just don't, just don't play. Yep. Yep. And I think that's going to be the issue, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think he might, uh, I, I say he might get an opportunity uh, with a team as an undrafted free agent. Um, if, you know, they're trying to think outside the box for a spot that might work for them. But I think out of the, the three kind of late round guys, we're talking about Ashby, Justice Reed, and Hewitt. I think Hewitt's probably the most likely to not get an invite to a camp just based off of, I just don't know where his fit is. Um, so yeah. that would be my guess. Yeah. So uh, anything else, Rick? I think we covered at least the the big guys here for Tech. Yeah. Um, it's weird for me. The NFL draft, like the, generally I'm, you know, following a specific team, but now it's just kind of following like where the tech guys go. And that's all I really care about. Right. Yeah. I, I know there's going to be some fireworks in the first round. Um, we've already seen some with some trades. We're probably going to see four or five quarterbacks go in the first 15 picks, which is just stupid in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be quite honest, I think teams are going to end up passing on way too much talent for a quarterback. Um, but again, I am not an NFL talent evaluator. Uh, so I can only speak from my ignorant position. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> that's I I'm with you. I mean, the only quarterback I would draft and then probably subsequently start tomorrow is Trevor Lawrence. I think the rest of them have some sort of holes in their game. Although I will say this, I think that people kind of doubting Justin Fields and trying to find ways to move him down draft boards are either lying or, are way too high on Trey Lance, for example, who I think could be very good, but ahead of Justin Fields, I would not be the guy taking that chance, pulling that trigger. And this is something I heard a couple years ago and it's, it's stuck with me ever since, but 80% of the stuff you hear like a week to two weeks away from the draft is all just bogus. It's all BS. 
and it's all agents feeding stuff out there to try and drop someone or raise someone's draft stock, or it's team personnel trying to do the same thing to get their guy to fall or to get their guy to rise. So I have, um, I don't trust a lot of the stuff that comes out around this time of year. Uh, basically you're just stuck waiting to see what happens and NFL teams evaluate talent so differently that there could be a wide range of evaluations in the first two rounds. And that's why divine Diablo could find himself in the back end of the first round, like Terrell Edmonds did a couple of years ago. I agree. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm, I'm re- the the most intriguing storyline for me is to see where Diablo ends up. That's the big one for me. For me, it's where Farley ends up because he's going to fall. In, yeah, how far he falls of outside the top fifteen, but does he fall to thirty? Does he fall to twenty? Does he fall right. to twenty five? I mean, heaven forbid, does he fall to outside the first round? Which again, I think is almost impossible. Yep. Um, and then also if. As soon as Christian Darisaw gets drafted, I think for me it'll be um, just really enjoyable for me to watch given the the path that he's taken uh, to get where he's at and how he's been unheralded his entire career, has been overlooked for just about all of his career until last year, really. Um, Darisaw deserves everything that he's got coming to him. Yeah, no, totally, totally agree with you. Um, it'll be interesting that, that one more thing on Farley – I I understand why he's falling because of the injury concerns. I get it. But there's going to come a point towards the end of the first round where if he's still not off, off the draft board, right, he's still kind of floating out there, he's going to have the potential to be a value pick as a guy who probably should have gone in the top 10 picks. Absolutely. And- I mean, if you, look at, if you look at CBS Sports, for instance, um, one of their mock drafts I'm looking at right now has Farley at 20 to the Bears. They also have him listed as the 11th best prospect in the best corner in the draft. So whoever gets him is going to get a value pick basically. Agree. And the, and a lot of times the, the teams that co- consistently win football games and the conti- the teams that are consistently in the playoffs, they're the ones that are picking at the back end of the first round and they find these guys, guys that teams that are always picking in the top of the draft misevaluate for one reason or another yep no I'm, I'm totally with you so i don't know rick we'll see what happens we'll be back next week i'm sure to recap all of it but until then where could they find your stuff so i'm writing a dulles district our friend dave scarangella's website um we're doing a lot of cool stuff over there if you're an o's fan i've got you for the summer if you're a nats fan steven newman um who i know mike you're familiar with and i've known for years now at this point He's writing about the Nats. Uh, Dave's writing about the Nats. Doug Dowdy is uh, publishing his uh, college notebook every week over there. So there's a lot of content going on over there at DD, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, sometime, definitely sometime check it this out. summer, we'll get Dave back on the pod to go over a, a litany of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Make sure to check out dallas district i've been reading all of your baseball stuff you and and steven's baseball stuff's been really good so and mike you out. are uh what 80 what 87 outlets are you currently <laughs> uh publishing at sir <laughs> you can find me here on this podcast uh <laughs> basketball conference the acc football podcast i've been doing that for a while so go check that out sons of i write there i 
do a basketball podcast for Virginia Tech Hoops over there too, which has tampered out quite a bit since the uh, season ended, but I do that too. Um, so go check all those spots out. And then of course, go check out Andrew uh, at ESPN Blacksburg. He's on the radio right now and every weekday from four to six. So go check that out, ESPNBlacksburg.com. Uh, but Rick, we'll talk next week. We'll have Andrew back and we'll recap everything going on with the NFL draft. But until then, go Hokies. <laughs>